Out of the Park Developments is proud to announce Out of the Park Baseball 19, the newest sports strategy game from the award-winning Out of the Park Baseball franchise, will be officially released on March 22, 2018 on PC and Mac, which you can pre-order it today to get a 10% discount plus three days of early access. Out of the Park Baseball 19 is purpose-built for fans of the series, including loads of new features and improvements. Brand new 3D visuals and player animations make games come alive like never before. Ultra-realistic AI powers the best in-game and season-long behavior. And a brand new tournament mode lets you pit any teams from any time throughout the history of baseball against others in completely customizable brackets, and that is just the tip of the iceberg. So go to OOTPdevelopments.com today to pre-order Out of the Park Baseball 19 for just $35.99, a 10% discount off the full retail, pri- retail price, plus you get that three days of early access. So make your move today with Out of the Park Baseball 19. Thanks, and enjoy the show. It really isn't that typical nowadays to have this early in the year, big rumors and a major new sports game released to discuss, but here we are, 2018 is starting strong. Shockwaves were sent through the gaming industry when Polygon this last week dropped news that Microsoft is actively seeking acquisitions to bolster the game lineup for Xbox One and future gens, I suppose, with the shocker being Electronic Arts as a serious possibility. That rumor was soon verified by other sources, at least as a real rumor. Meanwhile, one of EA's big sports releases for the year, UFC 3, is now fully released to market. We're going to talk about those two things and more on this episode of the Press Row Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Weedai, Pasta Padre, with me tonight. First off, it's none other than Richard Grisham. How are you doing on what's practically the eve of Super Bowl 52? I'm doing great, Mr. Brian Weedai. Thank you, as always. Uh, very excited about the Super Bowl and uh, just got back, in fact, tonight from a New Jersey Devils win over the Philadelphia Flyers. I went up to the Devils Arena in Newark with my brother-in-law. I had a good time there. Very exciting times these days, but yeah, it's all about the Super Bowl. This doesn't happen very often. I am feeling very optimistic about this game, which is unlike me. I was not uh, particular. I mean, I was much more nervous and concerned. Wait, what? What? Optimistic Rich Grisham is not something I'm used to. Right. Well, it's not something I'm used to either. <laughs> now, again, I'm not walking around saying that the Eagles are going to win, but I do. I don't have the same unnervy, uh, uh, anxious feeling that I did before the Falcons game and before the Vikings game. And maybe that's because getting to the Super Bowl is just an accomplishment in and of itself. And because as an Eagles fan, this only happens really three times ever for me. And I'm not exactly a young whippersnapper like you two guys. So... (laughs) But I'm feeling good about the game. I, I, again, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm not. I mean, Belichick and Brady, the greatest ever, at their two positions. I'm just. It's been a really magical year for this team, even with all of the difficulty. And I feel great about the team. I feel great about the coaching. I think that they're going to um, represent themselves well, and I think they got a shot to win. So, do you want to know what Madden thinks about the Super Bowl, Rich? Sure. I don't think I'm going to like it if the if the, if, <laughs> if what I saw earlier is actually the real thing. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, EA ran their well. I'm not sure they ran a simulation. They put out a video that they claim to be their official simulation of the game, which is clearly dramatized for for almost almost to make it like a trailer or a video for people to watch rather than actually analyzing really what it's, what it does or necessarily being representative of uh, the chances that they believe them, uh, the teams to have, but the Patriots won uh, in their, in their video that they put out. I think it was 24 to 20 or something with Foles getting picked off on a late minute drive in the fourth. Um, so, I mean, Wait, is that, pretty a, much count. is that a prediction of what is going mm-hmm. to happen or simply that's, a retelling of what happened the last time the Eagles played the Patriots <laughs> in the Super Bowl? <laughs> that's their supposed pr- new prediction. Um, but, I mean, you can, pretty much count, you can pretty much count on the, the, like I said last week, the 
Patriots finding the the most you know excruciating way to rip the hearts out of an opposing team's fan base. It just it happens with with us here in Seattle. It happened with the Falcons. It just happened with the Jaguars. I mean, it's just it just that's just the way it seems to go lately. Um, but I went beyond that. I wanted to see what does Madden's engine, Madden's 18's simulation engine, what does it actually think? What chances does it give each team? Where does it kind of see things going? So I ran simulations uh, with all the updated rosters and everything. I ran over, it was well over 100 of them. And uh, actually, Rich, so the, the spread on the game is four and a half. That's the equivalent, basically, of giving the Patriots a 64% chance of winning. That's kind of the consensus right now, uh, at least among the public and uh, professional gamblers, I suppose. Uh, But Madden sees the Eagles as having a better chance than that, Rich. Uh, Madden really came through with 52% for for the Patriots, 48% for the Eagles. So essentially a toss-up. Um, and I, I think you'd have to be happy about those odds. What I found most interesting was that it's, it kind of went the opposite of what I would have thought in that if it's a low scoring defensive battle, the Patriots are going to win. If it's a high scoring game, somehow Madden believes that Nick Foles is going to outduel Tom Brady. So the over under on this game is 48 and a half. Uh, when the game went over, Philadelphia won 59% of the time when the game was under the Patriots won 66% of the time. So Richard, apparently you should be rooting for a, like a a shootout, Uh, (laughs) which I don't, I don't think would be wise for the Eagles to get into, but, uh, but apparently Madden believes that their best chance is if it's high scoring Um, and uh, Super Bowl MVP when the Patriots won, it was uh, obviously mostly Tom Brady, 72%. Deion Lewis and Rob Gronkowski won a handful. Uh, for the Eagles, Jay Ajayi was uh, 54% of the time. He won MVP. Some Nick Foles, some Zach Ertz, and a few others mixed in. Uh, but how does that make you feel about the game? Does it make you feel any better that uh, Madden sees it? It's closer to a toss-up? I guess it just uh, it, it doesn't make me feel better, so to speak, but it's certainly interesting. I mean, I love video game simulations obviously at out of the park we run our official simulations uh and and share them with all of our uh you know fans and partners every year so i just love this stuff uh, i'm i'm not that that surprised that sounds about right to me uh, the thing about uh the super bowl that i i i like is the eagles offensive line and the eagles defensive line against their counterparts I've always been a fan of football where time of possession is of utmost importance and running the ball at critical times for first downs is emphasized and successful. And the reason that I like that kind of football is because typically that's what happened against the Eagles by the Redskins and by the Giants and by the Cowboys whenever they're good in winning their Super Bowls. And it's finally the Eagles are that kind of a team and that's why I think that I feel so good about them because if, if and you know, it's the cliche of cliches, as long as they don't make many key mistakes like terrible turnovers or pick sixes, if they can avoid poor turnovers uh, or just terrible penalties, and, and you're going to have a turnover or two and you're going to have a penalty or two, but as long as they're not killer, I just, I like the fact that they, they line up physically well against the Patriots. I just, Again, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I feel good about the matchup and I feel good about the team. And I just think that uh, this is this is by far a better shot to win this game than the last Eagles team had to win that game. Yeah, you know, I coming from a Seahawks fan and going into that uh, 2013 Super Bowl against the Broncos and going in and not really wanting to get excited about it because knowing you've had your your heart broken so many times, you know, I I think I can kind of feel where you're coming from. I felt content. I thought they were going to win, but then you know, there's just in the back of my head, I was always thinking, no, something something always goes <laughs> something goes wrong. Um, we're not we're never meant to win. Um, and then you break through and it's it's an amazing feeling. That's probably how how it was kind of for you in that Vikings game where you expected a battle and then you just blew right by them. 
Yeah, uh, so it was surreal because it had never happened before. The Eagles really the the last time that they had been they've only well they've been in a bunch of NFC championships. They've only won a couple of them, and even the game where they won twenty to seven against the Cowboys in nineteen eighty, you know, twenty to seven is not thirty eight to seven. This is really this was unique. This had never happened in Eagles history in a NFC championship game to win like that. In the second half, I I was still nervous, but it was just kind of like a surreal little party almost just watching it a celebration. It was crazy. And and so, you know, how can you not come out of a game like that? At least feeling like, you know, we got a good shot against whoever we're playing next, right? When you beat what yeah. was supposedly, you know, the best team. So that has a lot to do with the optimism coming out of that game for sure. So tell me, Rich, uh, do you have any dog masks? Are you going to be wearing any dog masks? No. <laughs> or would that freak out your cats? Is I'm not. That, is that I, the I'm issue? not that. Yeah, that's not me. I'm not a boast, <laughs> boasty, you know, chesty, you know, waving my hands. And, Can you please, Rich? I want you put on a somebody. put on a dog mask, sit in a chair with your cat, like the photo you posted on Twitter, <laughs> and please send that photo out. I really, I you don't know how badly I want to see that. Okay. Noted. I don't have a mask, so. Uh, but they're uh, probably all sold out in Philadelphia, I'd imagine, but, or in uh, the Northeast, the whole Northeast, wherever, you know. But I will um, admit, I am New Jersey. So yeah, I will admit, I am wearing my Eagles jersey to the office tomorrow. Now, granted, my office is in suburban Philadelphia, so I'm surrounded by a bunch of Eagles fans, okay. which is, you know, again, kind of cool. It's, it's one thing to have your team in the Super Bowl. It's another thing to also be in the area, right? In in that region uh, that supports the team. That's you know it sort of adds to it, and everybody around you is pumped up about something like Super Bowl too. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Oh wait, we got we got uh, somebody else here with us. We forgot all about him. Mills Gaming TV. He's been here the whole time. Wait, what? Yeah. Hi. Oh, hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Mills. What's up? No, uh, I just want to state that. Philadelphia has absolutely zero chance of winning this game, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. It's definitely going to be a close game. Their defense is going to easily hold them in uh, the game. Um, that being said, this is not 94 Nick Foles in Madden Ultimate Team. This is still Nick Foles. Um, and any game that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have two oh. weeks to prepare for is a game they're not likely to lose. That's why I'm not walking around saying they're going to win. Because but what I you just said in. is accurate. <laughs> Those are accurate statements. But Rich does not. Rich, Rich refuses to end up on old takes exposed. That's what he does not. <laughs> but I'm all in for the picture of Rich with the mask and the cat. Because the cat photo, it, uh, in and of itself, the cat looking at the camera and Rich completely oblivious <laughs> yeah. was enough for me. I need to see it with the mask. Oh, that's good. Yes, please. Please do that. Uh, Mills, how have you uh, been and uh, what have you been playing? I know you've been playing a lot of stuff. We'll get to UFC here uh, in a bit. What else have you been playing lately? Uh, for the most part, still playing Madden. Uh, UFC obviously has taken up a ton of my time since releasing. And, well, I guess the official release for the regular edition will be when you guys hear this uh, on Friday. But for the most part, I I'm loving UFC. But Monster Hunter has taken over my life, guys. And it's not even close. Um, if it wasn't for Madden solos, Monster Hunter would never leave my monitor. Uh, it is an amazing, fantastic game that I did not think that I even said during the beta that I didn't. It didn't get a hold of me. It didn't get its hooks into me. And now that it's full release, I have found the love of the Charge Blade, and the Charge Blade is good, and it feels great. And I don't want to stop playing it. I have no idea what any of that means. It's okay. You don't have to. We, we all we all know that like RPGs. A lot of sports gamers, especially the offline, like the sim uh, franchise gamers, they're essentially that's essentially an RPG wrapped in a sports package. So a lot of a lot of sports gamers are also RPG gamers. I know uh, uh, Cat, who's on this podcast all the time, Cat Bailey mm -hmm. of US Gamer, uh, Rex Dixon, the creative director of Madden, is a huge RPG fan. So that. And I'm the same way. I kind of lend myself in the same progression standards as I would like to see in Madden. I, I enjoy those kind of RPGs as well, and Monster Hunter fits that bill. So you want to talk a little about UFC here at the top? Mills? I would love to okay. talk UFC. Uh, like I, I've seen some of the criticism. I've seen some of the good things. I've definitely experienced mm. both. So I, I believe that UFC 3, let me start by saying that I received a copy of UFC 3 from EA 
so it's out there ahead of time um, because of me being in the Game Changer program. That being said, for, for streaming, that being said, I also will absolutely tell you that that this game is better with still the same, some of the same flaws that it had in two. Uh, the stand-up mm-hmm. game has been completely reworked for the be- for the better. In two, you could throw jabs back and forth constantly until your stamina ran out. Um, it was a huge problem online with EA UFC two, and the balancing pushed it much towards much more towards the strikers than anything else. In this game, they've inserted a combo system. To where if you don't hit the combos that the fighters have in their repertoire, you there are, there are breaks between the swings. And, and I know a lot of people have said they don't like this because it takes some of the fluidity out of just being able to throw, throw punches and kicks back and forth. But it's a necessary addition and I think one that balances the game much better. Um, because you can't like you can't just sit there with Nate Diaz and just swing. You have to do one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, break. And that's kind of the way I would expect it to an extent to have more of a realistic atmosphere. But this is more of a this is definitely more of a balancing act than anything else. Um, I love I love that. I love the change to the submission system where the submission as you uh, fill the gates Instead of keeping the same gates filled, they now reset with the same amounts to all four gates. So, like, let's say I think I made this analogy last episode. If you do 50 and 50 in two gates and 10 and 10 in two gates, mm-hmm. I mean, that's 120 overall. When the gates go back down, you'll have 30 in each gate. Mm-hmm. So, what that does is it changes the submission strategy to where you want to get as much into the gates as possible. And then once you get later in the submission, then you can start focusing on one or two gates to fill after they're already filled a little bit. That being mm-hmm. said, the submission system is the same. Um, with that's, that's the only change. And so is the ground. The ground system feels the same, even though there have been some tuning to it. Um, it's still very tough online specifically offline. You get a little, you know, arrow if you want it to show which way to defend and, and things like that. But it's a very confusing system. If you jump online, because depending on which way the camera is left, could be your opponent's left hand left could be your left hand, especially when you get into things like the clinch, the stand up clinch and the tie clinch. It's very tough to tell which way is the way you're supposed to be defending. A great example of this is when you're in the tie clinch. So normal blocking is you hold the R trigger. To block low, you hold the R trigger and the L trigger. But if you're in the tie clinch, it's the opposite. If somebody throws a knee at your head, you have to hold both triggers, which is counterintuitive to what you would think for normal striking. And that that's the one thing that I've noticed in, in this game is it's a constant array of good changes followed by what are you doing? Like why why not change that that high knee to match up with the striking? Why not make a camera system to where no matter what you're looking at, it's always left? Or explain mm-hmm. that. And the onboarding is much better this year. They have video tutorials and they have practice modes and stuff like that. But you still get to the point where the frustration sets in when you can't make certain transitions. Like if you get it right now, if you get put on your back. In this game online, the, your opponent has a huge advantage. And to a point where I, I'm scared to use guys like Damian Maya, guys that want to be on their back, guys that will sit there and lay on their back and say, come come down into my full guard. I'm scared to use guys like that because I don't think I can get up against some of the more advanced users. So, that, so that's the case regardless of their particular skills, their ratings. It's the same for everyone that you're yeah. going to struggle in those situations, even if those... Uh, you know, specific fighters are adept at getting out of them or reversing them. You're saying that, that you're still at a at you're at a bigger disadvantage than you should be at, uh, because of that. Correct. I, I believe yeah. that right now. Um, and again, it's still within the first week, and there aren't even a ton of people on it. Like the people that have the championship edition, as I've played, are the ones that have played the most. And I would expect those to be more of some of the hardcore fans that have the game. Sure. So I would definitely expect those to be some of some of the more advanced users. And I've played against some other streamers that played a ton of UFC two. And it is once, if you get 
into an uh, an advantageous grappling situation, you have a decided advantage to where I would hope the advantage wouldn't be as much. Um, And yes, it is very, it it is not dependent on the ratings. While the ratings help with your transitions, Mm. it feels, you feel almost helpless at times when you're on your back. Whereas, like I said, some fighters in the UFC, we've seen it in UFC events. We've seen guys like literally lay down in a UFC ring and say, come to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if it's just taunting to an extent. Um, so that's one thing that I'd like to see tuned. The good news is, is that they've already tuned. I think they've had three tuners so far. Yeah, that, they've done they've done some considerable work on it already. Right, and they're taking a lot of feedback. They took a ton of feedback from the beta, and, which has upgraded the game. Um, they've added moves to fighters already, very specific moves, because there's perks to fighters now. There's, as I said, specific combos um, if the fighter doesn't have a combo, there are some higher rated fighters that don't have specific combos that I won't use because I like those combos. Uh, some of the high, I, I feel like it was Conor McGregor that I don't like to use because of it, but there's a, there's a combo where you can go lead jab straight and then roundhouse on the same side as the straight. It's very hard to counter because you're swinging, you know, right hand, right foot at the same time. If they're the back, if they're the back, uh, hand and foot. And there are some fighters that don't have that combo that so you cannot swing that. So you, you there's going to be in this game more so than others. This game lends itself more to the fighting community than any other UFC game before it because of those combos. There are going to be guys that you quote unquote main when you go online because of the perk system, because of the combos. And they've already changed, like they changed Nate Diaz's perks already. So it's one of those things that you have to be in tune with what's going on with these changes as well mm-hmm. to continue to excel online. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about the, the critical reception for the game. And, and um, because what you what you went through is essentially sums up or that, you know, it could be summed up a little more like, you know, the stand up is great and the grappling is frustrating and discouraging for a lot of people. And you see that uh, you know, they like that, you know, they like uh, being on their feet and and everything, and then you get taken to the ground and you just hate the game. It's it's really difficult to kind of uh, come together uh, and and enjoy the game when half of it essentially is is something that you don't enjoy. Um, so I was looking at the Metacritic, and right now it's basically EA UFC three is a seventy nine. UFC 2 was a 78, and off a two-year development cycle, or close to two years, uh, I think you would have hoped for more growth than that. Um, And uh, they, you know, they added the career mode and everything. It doesn't seem to have really moved the needle, at least with with critics. I I just wondered, Mills, do you think UFC is so limited in its appeal, and, and reviewers, many of which may not be necessarily big UFC fans, or uh, even understand the sport, uh, but uh, you know, is is there room for for this game to grow beyond what it is now, or or is it just all? It's just going to be kind of niche. Well, there's two things that I'm going to go into with the Metacritic reviews, and I feel like that when I look through the Metacritic reviews, some of the major reviews, the guys that are UFC fans tend to lean more to the positive mm-hmm. and the guys that are video gamers tend to lead towards the negative. And I think that's, and with the way UFC ratings are now, because this is the second point, UFC ratings have consistently fallen over the last two years for their pay-per-view buys and for their TV rates. Mm-hmm. So we're in a, we're in a problem with two on two sides here. First of all, this game suffers a lot of what NBA 2K suffers is that it is a very technical and complex game to master. You can get into the game. You can play stand. Uh, there's a mode called stand and bang, which you can play knockout mode, which you know, mm-hmm. which is really cool. They've Snoop Dogg as the commentator, um, and you can just play stand up, and it's fun. But if you play, if you want to play online, it becomes very complex. It's it's very there's many buttons combos that you have to hit. Like to throw, if you want to throw body jab, or I'm sorry, body hook. And then head hook with two separate hands. You have to hit LT, LB, and then X to get to the body hook, and then let go of LT and do LB and another face button. 
And then if you want to do like a back uh, spinning back, then you spinning back fest at, off of that, then you have to hold LB RB and then another face button. It's it's very complex in terms of the striking, in term learning it, learning the combos, um, the ground stuff again because it's so technical. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. It's it, it suffers what it's what its drawback is with the technicality on it. It also lends itself to being much more in tune with what a UFC fan would want. Well, and that's the thing is I, I go back to the original EA UFC. And it was clearly, clearly marketed and and designed with thought being given to let's try and get uh, casual gamers on board. Absolutely. It didn't yeah. work. And it was never going to work. And so they corrected that with EA UFC 2. They did a lot of really good things. They make the game more realistic to satisfy actual MMA fans. And I think they've continued going down that path with UFC 3. Like you said, things like stamina. Uh, it's just a matter of, look, even even the biggest UFC fans, uh, I think, are maybe a little intimidated by the game. And it's a, I think it's a little, you compared it to NBA 2K, I think it's a little easier for NBA fans to understand what they should be doing in an NBA game, even if they don't understand. You know, you, you, you can understand the basics. You're not going to be pulling off the fancy moves, and you're not going to be running plays necessarily out of the box. But you kind of know what you're trying to do. Uh, in UFC, I think you get taken to the ground, and, you're, and most people are just, their heads explode. I agree. Uh, especially there are two... If you get into a stack where you knock somebody down, and then you get their feet on you, one of the most powerful positions I've found is just pushing down on the stick and getting into that stacked uh, stance. I've noticed that a lot of people don't even understand how to get out of it. Um, that being said, there is, you're always going to have one of two mentalities in terms of, are you going to try to get as many casual fans as you can into it? Are you going to take care of your hardcore group, the, the, the middle of the group and then allow them to sh to to bring in everybody else. That's how um, that's how it tends to work best. <laughs> well, and I think and yeah. again, 2K is one of the top sellers now. Um, I, and I think that is becoming EA's mantra across the line. Like there, even FIFA to an extent. A lot of people say FIFA is easy to pick up, but the hardcore FIFA fans are the ones that they've really uh, kind of accustomed like customized the game towards online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very it's it's very tough for a newer user to come anywhere near like a, like a Castro or the, like the bigger guys in the community, um, and I think UFC is another perfect example of that, where UFC is saying, "Hey, we're going to get you, you you guys that are UFC fans. This game is going to be what you guys want." And again, still a little still a little unapproachable, but even for big NBA fans, 2K can be unapproachable as well. So I think that's kind of the same idea. Let's take care of this big hardcore group and then let them show people that how beautiful this game can be when it's being played by somebody that knows what they're doing. And then the casual fans are going to get it. Like there's not a big UFC event right now, but guess what? July, July 7th is coming up and there's going to be a big fight. Then there's talk of, you know, Conor McGregor possibly going against Floyd Mayweather in oh, a, come on. that's <laughs> hey that you 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 laugh, but that paycheck for the two of them is no joke, and that still is the biggest money fight UFC may have going for it right now. Um, boxing. Problem, bo problem is EA UFC they would never be able to get Mayweather in there. So, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I remember I, back to the back to the fight night days. The the requests that Mayweather had to be in the game, EA couldn't even meet. I mean, he he required the cover. He required I forget how many millions of dollars he wanted right. to sign on. I'm not I'm not sure that would go anywhere. But either, anyways, either way, I I think the hype hype around actual UFC events is what's going to sell this game. Like people are going to want to play. Hey, let me play this game that I'm seeing going online. Like so there's a Daniel Cormier fight versus a uh, Stipe Miocic fight coming up in mm -hmm. July. So th th that's what they're going for here. They're going for that two year release window where they can continuously update it, get new fighters in get game updates in, make it better as it goes, much like I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, uh, almost like a subscription service where mm -hmm. you're still buying the game at the, at the beginning. 
So uh, quickly, tell me, give me a few thoughts on the career mode and ultimate team and, and how those are uh, turning out now. Career mode is fantastic. They've updated to do what's called the GOAT mode. You have to become the greatest of all time. That's the goal with every time you play it. They've made it so you're going to be able to play through it multiple times. It's, you're not, it's not one you're going to be playing for months in terms of the same fighter. Um, you have to do certain goals, which is things like title defenses in a row, or you have to accrue a certain amount of performance of the night bonuses. Um, so you have very specific goals you have to get to become the greatest of all time. And you have to do that before you are forced to retire. So if you get knocked out in a fight, there's a, there's a longevity meter that starts at hundred. If you mm. win the match, if you win the match and don't take too much damage, you might lose 2% of that. But if you lose and get knocked out, you can lose 10 to 12% of that. So again, it's one of those things that, and then there's training. You don't have all the moves to start off. You have to go to gyms. You have to, to learn moves from big time pros. Like you can learn, you can learn all kinds of different wrestling from Stipe Miocic, or you can do, you know, boxing from another guy or wrestling from another gym um, or BJJ from another gym. So it's really cool the way they progress that. And you only have so many points each week before a fight to do that. Um, there are injuries built into that training as well. So if you, if you train too hard, you have, you have the chance of getting injured for your next fight. Um, all of those things are added in. Plus they have the social media aspect where you constantly see people tweeting at you, fans, other fighters tweeting at you. So you still feel like you're a part of this little mini UFC world. Um, so the love that they show to that mode is evident. I don't see too many drawbacks yet with that mode. Um, outside of how many times you're going to play through it. I do think that people, uh, UFC fans will play through it at different weights, possibly different genders a few times to see it, but the goals don't change. You're doing the same goals every time you could, you know, change to be a different fighter. Like one time you could be a wrestler. One time you could be like a, like a ground, a submission specialist. But other than that, I don't know how many different changes you would go through to play it for like a casual fan. Um, so, but other than that, the, the career mode is amazing. Ultimate team. I don't have a huge grip on ultimate team yet, although I've played it because everybody that has the championship edition has one gold fighter that comes with the championship edition. So you're mostly fighting that guy. Um, there are solos this year where you can do them to, uh, accrue new moves, new cards, stuff like that. There are sets this year, which are really awesome because you can, again, one of the problems I have with NBA live, no sets. So all of your cards lose value as soon as they're better cards out. This one, you're actually accruing like different bronze cards to put into a set to get a better silver card. So that progression system in the ultimate team is there. Um, and then some of the, in some of the solos get crazy. Like I picked Demetrius Johnson as my quote unquote champion from the championships edition. So one of the solos on insane in the insane series of solos that you get some of the highest rewards for are you have to fight a light heavyweight against your flyweight. So you get to, so I got to see Demetrius Johnson go in against like Nate Diaz. And it was hilarious mm. seeing this like little Demetrius Johnson with no range and the reach and everything stays the same. So you have to change your fighting style to try to do that. It's a little crazy and it's very tough, but it is a goal to get to in the later solos that are up right now. So it looks like it is advanced in terms of progression and, you know, value of the cards and everything. But I don't think you'll get a full grasp on it until everybody gets it and you see a ton of people in it. Mm -hmm. All right. Rich, you're still there. I am still here. All right, Rich, we got you. You want to talk about some uh, a big juicy rumor? Let's do it. All right. So, how? <laughs> I don't even know where to start. This is it's it's a big deal. Even just as a rumor, we even saw EA stock move, and actually Microsoft stock move the afternoon that this rumor came out that Microsoft could be considering a purchase of electronic arts it's possible and uh usually when you get rumors like this that have a, a more than one source uh it, it's it could be actually working its way through so the you know the, immediately a lot of people question what would this mean if it comes about and because uh, microsoft is looking for exclusivity for some games because their lineup is not very strong. We've gone through last week, we talked a little bit about Xbox Game Pass and how they're giving you 
the new games also in that, but they really only like for the next year have three, I think that are coming out this year. So they're trying to beef that up because Sony is blowing them out of the water right now with their exclusives on the other end. Uh, now, would that mean EA would go fully exclusive? Of course, the answer to that is no. Games like Madden are not going to go exclusive to the Xbox One. Uh, not just because Microsoft would continue to make more money selling the games across all platforms, uh, but because league licensing agreements wouldn't allow it anyway. But uh, this is this is fascinating because it would be a what I don't know where it would rank in terms of purchases, but. Uh, right now, EA is worth, uh, uh, I think, close to $40 billion. And uh, Microsoft, much, much bigger. I think they're they're up 700 and some billion dollars. It's a purchase Microsoft could make. Uh, it's not one most people would have anticipated uh, because it's just it's just such a massive it's, uh, uh, acquisition. And it would not be easy, but it's possible. So we go through, what does it mean? It doesn't mean exclusivity. It does mean potentially EA Access uh, being merged into the Game Pass. I think that would be a possibility. Then there's some other things, like would they create a baseball game to compete against MLB The Show on the other side? You had things like, just recently, kind of curious, that revival of NBA Jam, Rich, that you said you're interested in so much in last week's uh, Anticipated Games episode. Uh for some reason, is being worked on by Microsoft, presumably as uh, an exclusive. Like I, I wasn't. My first reaction when I read that was, "That's weird. Why is it Microsoft?" And now I have to wonder if there isn't something more going on behind the scenes. Um, then you have things like FIFA. Yeah, FIFA comes out on PC, but I think you potentially see games like Madden and NBA Live and NHL come to PC and be play anywhere for Microsoft uh, if that comes about. A lot of interesting things to unpack here, Rich. What was your first reaction when, when the possibility was floated? Well, I chuckled because it's not really going to happen. And there's a lot of... Oh, Rich. Well, Don't there's... eliminate the possibility. Stranger things have happened. Of course, stranger things have happened. And strange things will happen in the digital media, video game, movie, music space continue to happen just extraordinary things are going to happen so i guess validation right and the reason i think don't think it's going to happen is i just don't think it's it it matches either company's long-term goals right so yes it is theoretically plausible from a market cap perspective for microsoft to purchase electronic arts right you said you said Mm -hmm. it uh, ea's market cap is around 39 billion Whereas Microsoft's market cap is $727 billion. However, it would be unlike any investment that Microsoft has ever made in that it would be so much more, it would be such an over-purchase and an over-investment in one vertical versus all of the other businesses that Microsoft have, which are to be very frank, much more important to it than video games. Microsoft is going to make money by their cloud services, by you know Azure and competing against Amazon's web services and hosting and in operating systems. Gaming is a side venture for Microsoft. So for them to spend that kind of money, there are a few companies that are as big as EA, for them to spend that kind of outsized percentage of money on a company so closely tied to a single vertical that is not a focus of the organization just doesn't pass the sniff test. However, you could say that Microsoft could be looking to further future-proof itself, so to speak, or set the market themselves for something as critical as video games and entertainment and streaming, right? Like a big part of Microsoft's Xbox strategy right now is Mixer, which is a live streaming thing. Like Microsoft is creating its own platform. And if along with its own platform, it has a lot of its own content, that's where a lot of money is going to be made. 
So, well, yeah, my, my thought on that, Rich, was that if, if they, you know, they may not have exclusivity on like a Madden, but if, if the Xbox is the only place where you can pay $10 a month and get every electronic arts game, well, or I guess it'd be under Microsoft umbrella at that point, but every Microsoft game, which would include all these EA games for like 10 bucks a month, that is a pretty big selling point. It absolutely is. And so if Microsoft were saying, yes, I know we don't really care that much about video games. The revenue that they bring in is a rounding error as far as the rest of our business. But let's just throw that out. You know, one way that they would certainly make themselves set themselves up for high profits would be to have a very compelling online platform with millions and millions of subscribers and millions of subscribers that subscribe because they now have all of the games that EA has ever made as well as everything that's already on their um, their existing first-party titles. I mean, it's it, it just doesn't matter. And, and EA, right, is a $39 billion company. They're the kind of company that buys other companies. They don't get bought. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean it won't happen, but that is not their style. They have not been bought. I don't think ever, um, but I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not a, a super deep, uh, detailed expert well, on it, right? But they've certainly changed and morphed many, many, many times since they were founded by Trip Hawkins back in the, uh, in the early days. But they're not typically getting bought. And so if Microsoft were going to buy EA, yes, the market cap is $39 billion, but they would have to overpay to pay for yeah. all of the executives. So I just, there's too many reasons that it doesn't make sense to me from a for all the reasons i just said even even though ea right now they're making money this is not like a struggling company they would be picking up and trying to turn around right, right. they'd be EA, buying it we, just to own very all healthy. Of their content yes yeah it's very healthy so i think that's why it's a little more plausible at least well, people see it that way but that means that you'd have to pay a big premium for it too that's the thing like they sure. would probably get 10 to 20x their uh, you know, their, their market cap, right? So, I mean, you're talking $100 billion or $200 billion or $300 billion. And, and that just doesn't make... That, that doesn't make sense for Microsoft to basically invest most of their company in video games. It just doesn't make sense. Mills, what are your thoughts on uh, the whole EA-Microsoft uh, rumor and what could come about or not come about, but it's fun to discuss anyway? Yeah, if we're going to go into Fantasyland, because I'm with Rich, I don't think it's going to happen. That being said, if it were to happen, I think it's a great thing for gamers. To have those two companies together, already both uh, forward-thinking companies in terms of subscription-based gaming. I went to look looking for the Game Pass because I was enjoying the Sea of Thieves beta. There are some really good games on Game Pass right now. Um, and I was personally surprised. Like I wanted to get Game Pass right now to play Dude, some of the older stuff. I've had Game Pass since day one. I play games on it all the time. It's amazing. Why do you not have it? There's no reason for you to not have it. I mean, Rich, have you seen how many games I have right now that I'm trying to play? You'll never buy <laughs> I mean, another game. You won't need to. Well, and well, especially with Microsoft now adding the fact that they're going to put fir- uh, first-party games into it. Bingo! So like Sea Sea of Thieves, which is a, was a huge hit on Twitch when it was on beta, um, immediately came out and said, you know, Sea of Thieves is going to be the first first-party game that comes with Game Pass. Why? W- why in the world would I pay sixty dollars for Sea of Thieves when I can pay ten dollars a month or what is it, sixty dollars a year? I think is the other um, option for no, it. No, just ten bucks a month. That's the only option. I mean, oh, okay. six months, but there's not like a one-year package where you get a discount or anything. Okay, so I, that's two games a year. I'm, I know I'm getting Crackdown 3. I know I'm getting Sea of Thieves. I've just paid for it. Yeah, I've just paid for it. Yep. My, so Xbox Games Pass is the best deal in gaming, hands down. And to add on to that, EA Access, which is also Origin Access, you would, pr- you would combine the two of those because PC is a huge part of EA. You get to combine two, all both of those into Game Pass, which also affects Windows games. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, all those games, any games that are on Windows and Xbox, Xbox Game Pass goes into. So now you have EA Access, which gets you games earlier, plus 10% off any of your digital purchases, including the games. Like There is just this constant way of – they're getting closer and closer to Steam. Let's let Everyone knows Steam is the goal. Let's get – 
let's get gaming to what is happening on Steam right now. There's there's huge sales on Steam all the time. Um, when you get when you put games on PC, the prices immediately go down after a certain amount of time. I can't tell you how many games on PC right now, outside of maybe Overwatch, um, are have not been able to get for at least fifty percent off within the first thirty days. But consoles don't seem to have that same option, um, especially digitally, which is insane to some people right now. You start adding in this Xbox Game Pass and EA Access and possibly. Let, let, let's call it EA Game Pass, where maybe we pay, I don't know, Rich, $120 a year, and we get all of EA's games, maybe? Maybe it's maybe it's $240 a year. I don't know, depending on how many games you plan on buying. Um, that's a great deal, and I don't see anything – I don't see a negative for gamers because even though you have Xbox Game Pass, you're still going to be able to get the games – um, from brick and mortar, if you want, even though you have this EA access, you can still get the games with different pre-order object, uh, pre-order rewards from different brick and mortars or Amazon, things like that. Brick and mortars are not brick and mortar might be going away, but physical copies are not going away anytime soon. So, I mean, I don't see the pro- I don't see the negative. If these two companies were to get together again, I don't think it's going to happen for the same reasons. Rich doesn't. EA is a huge company. Xbox or Microsoft's a huge company. You don't normally see one of those companies buy the other one. But hey, f- f- we never thought Fox was going to get bought by Marvel either, and now we're going to have a Deadpool Disney movie. So yeah, or Lucasfilm being bought by Disney. Well, Disney just buying everything. <laughs> At Disney. I mean, Disney having this huge conglomerate now of some of the best films, and now we get to see. You know, we're going to get to see the X Men with the Avengers at some point. Like no one ever thought that was possible. Maybe this is another thing that's you know on the horizon. Yeah, you know it's 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 funny. I just, I think a lot of people just want MVP baseball back now. <laughs> High heat baseball or MVP baseball, whatever Microsoft wants to do, they'd actually have a reason to do it. But I, everybody asks me, oh, does this mean NCAA football would come back? No, come on, has nothing to do with that. NCAA football is not coming back until the courts get through everything and until players are able to be paid. That's when that'll happen. But. Uh, it's just it's just kind of interesting. And then the other thing would be whether, um, you know, we talk about exclusivity now, but would the future idea be exclusivity with all these games for, you know, in the next generation or once we get to a point where there are no generations, right, Rich, where it's just, uh, you know, where Microsoft kind of wanted to do before. They're kind of doing now as far as all the all their systems being backwards compatible Love it. or and and playing the same games Xbox 1 X S original Xbox 1 all playing the same games you're not you know it, it working across all of them and but i mean it, it would be the potential for for lots of things down the line that would be a long ways off though right and uh you're you're also getting cloud everything saved in the cloud so if you buy the the newer machine you basically just plug it in and all your stuff is there too you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that that's also a real value you know I, I just read somebody who's switch and i love the nintendo switch but the, you know their switch had a problem and they sent it in in nintendo for service and nintendo as part of servicing it wiped out all of their saves right and and that's just a problem with the switch that there's no cloud save so even stuff like that too i love everything about it it's definitely the future but it's also the present. And it's funny that Microsoft's service to me is so much better than Sony's because Sony has something similar called PlayStation Now, but it's all streaming. Whereas mm-hmm. Microsoft, the Games Pass lets you download the games. And there's just something better about downloading the games and having to stream them. It's just less opportunities for problems. And that's another thing that I, I think is really good about it. But there, you know, give them credit. I'm. You know, I got a couple of people tweeting at me that I'm an Xbox because I keep talking so much about how I love the Games Pass. I love them all. I love my Nintendo Switch. I love my 3DS XL, my PlayStation, my Xbox. I love them all. This is a great time to be playing games. But I tell you, the the more that that Microsoft does with this, making it easy to buy a cool 4K you know version of their machine every couple of years and just hit a button and all of that stuff is just there. Mm-hmm. You know, with and and you're really not having to buy more than a few games a year because you're getting most of the stuff you want. Like as a sports fan, you know, like you said, Mills with EA Access and Xbox Games Pass, 
you kind of get almost everything you need just with that, you know, with all the sports games, there's a few things. And by the way, Brian, I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it today, but Konami issued their quarterly report and they're doing really well. And what is leading their high profits is their digital entertainment. And they specifically said that one of the contributing factors to their profits is pro evolution soccer 2018. Uh, did they specify it being the mobile version? Both. They said both. So mm-hmm. they definitely highlighted their mobile, but they also said Pro Evo 2018 on console had significant contributions to the success. And as a huge Pro Evo fan, that just makes me happy because one of the things I've always wondered aloud on this show is, is it profitable enough to keep getting made? It sure sounds like it. So that's exciting. So there's yeah, room, for, I, room for more than just EA in this space, too, or room for, for more than just uh, you know Microsoft in this space, too. There, there's money to be made from in some other areas, too, which is interesting. Just real quick before we move on from the EA part of this, the one other thing that I would love to see with a partnership between Microsoft and EA is those sports games not named FIFA coming to the PC. Because right. Microsoft has made more of a push to have their games be both Windows, you know, play anywhere, Windows and Xbox. The day we see Madden on the PC is the day I won't buy it for console, specifically because I will play <laughs> it on PC constantly with, with the ability to mod it and stuff. Well, we're not moving on from EA because I want to talk uh, also about uh, we were, you know, how healthy of a company they are, as we were, were citing earlier. Uh, they just released quarter three. Uh, results, financial results, and and up their projections for quarter four, and now EA stock is at an all time high, and they they detailed some of the numbers that got them there. They didn't go into a whole lot, but among what they did uh, was was generally about FIFA, and, and FIFA they they mentioned forty two million people on consoles were quote unquote reached. Which I guess you know that could be guests on systems, and and I believe it would be uh, the combination of FIFA 17 and FIFA 18 in that calendar year. Still, it's remarkable to think of 42 million people playing FIFA last year, uh, and, and also that Ultimate Team was up 12 percent for that quarter over the previous year. So Ultimate Team continues to grow, no matter you know, it, it, they haven't faced the backlash, obviously that the Battlefront 2 faced. Uh, for microtransactions because it's been isolated. People accept Ultimate Team as it is, and it doesn't infringe on them outside of it. And so that's still growing without uh, the, ne- the negativity around it. And then also on mobile, FIFA added FIFA Mobile added 26 million people just in the last quarter. I mean, Pro Evolution Soccer, Rich, you mentioned on mobile, I believe has some some number, hundreds of millions of downloads FIFA Mobile also hundreds of millions of downloads across the world. It's remarkable the numbers that that FIFA pulls in and just the reach that it has uh, every corner of the globe. No doubt, it is what is enabling a lot of this stuff to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with, without the uh, without the the revenue that FIFA brings in, I don't know that Electronic Arts would have ever been able to introduce things like EA access and origin access, right? I mean, when you, when you're able to generate that kind of revenue, you're able to take, you're able to extend yourself in certain ways that, that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. And it's just fascinating how that continues to drive the bus and how people love it. People love it. It's amazing that there has been this accord struck between the developers and the publishers and the consumers. Like Mills is a great example, right? You love Ultimate Team. You understand and you even embrace that, yeah, that means paying to play a little bit. But that's okay. They found that right balance. And uh, it's amazing because that's, <laughs> that's a really hard thing to do. A really hard thing to do. Because you're right, Brian, people, or maybe they do, and I just don't see it. But I tend to talk to a lot of people who play. I don't hear people complaining about Ultimate Team and money at all. I hear people complaining about things related to Ultimate Team, but not not. I don't hear anybody saying that anybody's feeling ripped off. If anything, people are enjoying it. It's not me. It's not my thing, but that's okay. It doesn't need to be. I think there's definitely a, a sentiment in the community that pay to win is still a thing. Um, that being said, 
pay to win is still a thing. That's you're absolutely going to, we've talked about this multiple times. You're going to pay or you're going to pay with your time. One of the two things to, to succeed in ultimate team. Um, one of those two things is going to be true. Well, you're always going to pay with your time though. I mean, like time is almost understood as part of the equation. It's just how much it, is it an obscene amount of time or is it time plus money? Right. I mean, isn't that right. how it really works out? I agree. And I think, I think you can still, one of the things that is getting better and better is you can still use time only and still be competitive. Um, but if you want to get into these, into like the esports levels of some of these people, uh, I, I think it's pretty much known that you're going to spend a good chunk of money to get to that level. If you, if you're hoping to compete, because even at salary cap levels, the guys that are the best salary cap players are guys that are going to be really expensive on the auction house. So you're going to have to get, well, I, I thought I was going to say, but you also got to be good no matter what, because I could drop a hundred bucks in Ultimate Team right now, and I would still be terrible. Correct. <laughs> so. and, it, be, and then you—that's what you, you have people labbing. Like uh, they talk. I talked to, and this was um, this past summer. I talked to uh, Frank Sardoni, who's known as Stiff in the community. Um, he's a former Madden champion. I asked him, you know, I was this is when I was first really getting interested in Ultimate Team because I've always been, you know, grind my solos, get the team better. But my real interest came this past summer, like when I was ta- started talking to some of the competitive guys. And I asked him, how much time do you really spend playing Madden? Because I know you have a job and stuff. He goes, without question, I can tell you I spend 50 hours to 60 hours a week playing Madden. And that's not always playing online. That is a lot of time spent in practice mode. Um, when those guys showed up for EA Play, a lot of those guys picked up Madden and started go right into practice mode, labbing different things. Like that's a, it, it's amazing to me how disrespected that community can be at times. Um, the competitive community is using you know cheese plays and everything. When again, you just said it. If it was that, if it was just cheese plays, you could spend a thousand dollars in the game and be the best player in the world. Whereas now people are starting to understand, especially with the openness of how, like even on Mixer tonight, I watched some of the Madden Club Championship on Mixer. They had four screens. They had two screens, one screen on each guy, so you could see their adjustments that they were making. Being able to see that opens people's eyes to saying, "Wow, these guys are really doing another level that." I didn't even realize they were doing, even though they're running the same formation all game. Um, and I think that's, I think people are starting to understand that more. And that's why you're, that's why you guys are seeing, you know, and, and even in with as many people as I follow, you're seeing a less of a backlash over the money side of this because people are starting to understand that the best players aren't just spending money. They're also spending time. Um, and EA is giving more and more freebies as they go. Like this year, I think, I think they're up to five, like four or five, ninety-five overall cards that you could get fairly easily without spending a ton of money. Um, in terms of receivers, uh, there's a receiver. They just had one where you can get a free ninety-five overall Super Bowl legend that you get to choose from any ten of them. Um, so I think the combination of a lot of their solo programs plus people understanding that it's not just money that makes people great in this game um, has lowered the backlash a little bit. The other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, because I, I completely forgot in our most anticipated games list, this w- this would have been up near the top for me. Is uh, a FIFA World Cup is coming, and uh, we don't know. They did not confirm yet whether that's going to be a full release retail product, which I would tend to think it would be, or if it'll be a downloadable content for FIFA 18. But either way, they did mention they're working on World Cup. Uh, it's just outside of their next quarter, so they didn't go into that yet. FIFA World Cups typically come out in mid to late April, so that's when I think we could expect that one way or another. But that is even more exciting to me than anything FIFA 18 or 19 or whatever, whatever is the World Cup. World Cup is one of my favorite games every every four years. Uh, it's just it's so much fun. It's tuned differently than the than the standard FIFA's. Uh, even though the U.S. isn't going to be in the World Cup this time around, they'll still be in the game. But a uh, little bummed about that. But still very much looking forward to that. Um, I think I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, enjoyed talking about it, all of that. And next week we're going to be probably into some MLB The Show news. Uh, there should be a trailer, which usually means info 
isn't far behind or will be accompanying it. Uh, we also may have uh, former Madden uh, lead designer Ian Cummings on uh, to talk about. There was a pretty fascinating article. You should all read it before next week uh, at, when we'll hopefully be discussing it. Brian, uh, signing about, homework. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, about kind of the background of the, the development uh, that went into Madden 06 and the transition from PS2 uh, and, and Xbox to Xbox 360 and eventually PS3. But all of that, including the a diagnosis of things like that uh, really misleading trailer that they put out, that next-gen trailer that everybody remembers and, and skewed everybody's expectations for what was coming, uh, that's discussed and, and much more. It's it's really interesting read. Check it out on Glixel, which is Rolling Stone's video game vertical. Read that. Uh, and get back to us with your report, Rich <laughs> and Mills. <laughs> I expect at least three pages. I'm on it. I'm on double, it. No double spacing. Oh, come on. <laughs> Can we make this a, a verbal essay? Uh, uh, I'll, verbal. I'll do that. I'm not writing anything. <laughs> expect a, a PowerPoint presentation. That I can do. That I can do. Okay. Look for it on my Twitch page. All right. Thank you, Rich Grisham, Out of Park Developments. I know you got Out of Park Baseball 19 up for yes. pre-order now. Yes. Uh, Mills Gaming TV, you're always up on Twitch. Mills Gaming TV and Twitter and everywhere else that has anything Mills Gaming TV, I would imagine, is uh, is you. Yes, sir. I hope. <laughs> I hope it's me. <laughs> yeah. You better grab them before somebody else nabs those. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in this episode. Uh, we'll be back to you next week. Take care till then.